All Business and Financial Radio Network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to Leaders Playbook, where you'll discover what emotional intelligence is all about and how to raise yours to be a top performer in business. Now, here's your host, Dr. Rell. Welcome to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. Here we want to give you hands-on tools to raise your emotional intelligence. How aware are you of your feelings? Do you know why they occur? Do you understand the implications of your feelings? Why is it critical as leaders to know yourself? And also, how does it help in knowing others? These are some of the basic steps that will help someone become more intelligent in using their emotions. And the answers to these questions are the focus of this session. Hi. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm a psychologist and executive coach and your host today. And today, for the Star Secret uh, segment, we have Joshua Freeman, the author of uh, The Heart of Leadership, and he's an expert in emotional intelligence and organizational change. He's a COO and one of the founders of Six Seconds, which is one of the oldest and leading EI organizations in the world. Joshua is a master trainer, having trained thousands of people in emotional intelligence over 10 nations. He's the author of three tests, four books, numerous training programs. And they have offices in Brisbane, uh, Beijing, Lisbon, London, San Francisco, and Singapore. Joshua, welcome to the show. Thank you, Relly. So we were talking about emotional self-awareness, one of the uh, EI competencies. And tell me, you know, from your standpoint, why are knowing about feelings and emotions important for Lee? For leaders? Well, I think uh, the major issue is that it's an area that most of us know little about. We haven't explored it. We haven't learned about it. I mean, I, I took over 2,000 hours of instruction in how to solve mathematical equations, uh, and that just means, you know, I went to elementary and high school in America. Uh-huh. Uh, I took no hours of how to understand the emotional equations. Right. And I find that for myself as a leader, my real challenges are things like engaging people, solving people problems, getting people to agree with each other and stay focused. And those are all driven by emotions. And a lot of it is driven by my own emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet frequently when I talk to leaders, the conventional wisdom is, well, we ought to leave emotions out of it. Emotions don't belong at work. We need to make rational decisions because those are going to be good decisions. Yet the neuroscience is very clear that without emotions, we actually don't make decisions at all. Mm. So we have this kind of mantra, oh, let's leave emotions out of it. Let's make good business decisions. And so we don't pay attention to emotions. We haven't learned about emotions. And we're handicapped in this area. And so it's a, it's like this frontier where if leaders can begin to access a little bit of this data, and that's what emotions are, neurobiologically, they're, they're chemically encoded data. If we can begin to access that data, we get incredible insight into what's going on inside us and inside others. Um, we talk about the idea that emotions drive people and people drive performance. And I, you, know, you see it in all kinds of corporate slogans and mission statements, you know, people are our number one asset. Yet, how much energy do most leaders spend truly understanding what drives that number one asset? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think from our conversation we've talked about before, just getting leaders to understand what their emotions are 
So tell me a little bit about, you know, in your book you have the neurobiology of a feeling, and, and how, do you, how do you relate that to a leader or an executive that you're working with? Well, one of the things that's an important starting point is to recognize that emotions are real. There is actually a, a neurobiological basis of emotion. They're chemicals, and those chemicals exist in everyone. And so when I'm talking to a leader, helping him or her understand, hey, look, this stuff, it's real. It's going on in your brain. It's going on in your body, and it will affect you. And just understanding some of the basic effects of emotions. Just for example, uh, kind of conventional thinking is, well, thinking drives feeling. Mm-hmm. And yet the reality is feeling also drives thinking. Mm-hmm. Just learning that, learning, well, what, what, how does my thinking change when I'm frustrated? It turns out, for example, when you're frustrated, you tend to notice minor problems and you tend to focus on problems. And you can, you know, that's great if you're an accountant and your job is to find errors on spreadsheets and that's all you do all day long. Then that frustration would actually help you. But if you're trying to rally a group of people uh, and you're trying to get a group of people to move, to do something they may not otherwise do by themselves. You're trying to get them uh, to uh, commit. Then focusing on minor problems isn't really going to motivate them. Mm-hmm. And so your annoyance, it's like you know, you've got this group of people, they're not doing what you want them to do, so you feel annoyed. And that annoyance is going to change your thinking. It's going to cause you to notice those problems, notice those issues that are going on, those minor nitpicky things that just get you more and more annoyed. And as you get more and more annoyed, you get less and less able to shift your own emotions to something that's going to be really useful for that situation. So that's the kind of skill we, we want leaders to learn, that kind of knowledge we want them to have. So noticing some of their, their patterns or some of their triggers and, and then, and then uh, how do they modulate that? Sure. At a starting point, we want them to look at simply identifying these emotions. Emotions follow rules. Hmm. Now, I, and I don't know about you, Relly. You're a psychologist. You've had a lot of experience in your life with this. I'm, I'm not. I'm uh, a business person, and I'm an educator, and I'm a, uh, I'm a leader. <clears throat> and for me, emotions, before I started to learn about this, they seemed random and chaotic and even dangerous. And uh-huh. it was like someone would come into my office, and they would be, uh, you know, uh, clearly upset about something. But I didn't even want to ask them, you know, hey, what's going on? Because I thought, oh, gee, you know, if I ask them what's going on, like, no, we're going to be here for an hour, you know, and they're going to be crying in my office. What the heck am I going to do with that? Right, right. And so I had this fear of emotions. Huh. I, I didn't call it that. I mean, because that, you know, wow, fear, that's a, that's a you know, uh-huh. wimpy emotion. You don't want to have that. <laughs> um, but that's what it was. And I had this fear because I didn't understand that there were rules to emotions. And they're actually not that complicated. Hmm. What so, can you, why don't you give us a couple of those rules? I'd be interested in hearing that. Okay, so one basic rule is that emotions will continue and intensify unless the situation or stimulus changes. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if somebody is upset, let's just say, uh, they don't like a decision that you made as a leader, and um, you can see it in their eyes. You think, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to move on. Right, and you move on. What you need to know is that that feeling is going to intensify unless the situation changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're going to go from being a little bit upset to more upset to more upset to more upset until they're really, you know, they, that feeling comes out in some way. So that's an example of a, of a That's rule. great. Well, you know, later actually we're going to follow up on that, that emotions 
are not biodegradable. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think that we'll follow up on that concept, that somehow if we don't do anything about it, it'll disappear. And so this rule that you're saying is is the exact, exact opposite of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another rule is that emotions are contagious or infectious. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, I just finished a white paper about this and uh, looking at a lot of research on the um, what's in, in, in our field called emotional contagion. Mm-hmm. And the premise is, and, you know, we've all experienced this, we, we go into work and the boss is in a really great mood. And, you know, and after a couple hours, it's like, wow, you know, what a great place to work. This place is really fun. Right. The next day you come into work and the boss, you know, is really PO'd and <laughs> just, you just want to hide under your desk. Well, that's emotional contagion. What's happening is that uh, you pick up the feelings of people around you. Right. Feelings are messages. And these messages help us understand the situation that we're in and the risks and opportunities of that situation. And so we're actually biologically wired to pick up and feel the emotions of people around us. Mm-hmm. And we literally have parts of our brain. There's a system called mirror neurons. We're, we're literally mapping into our own brains the uh, experiences and feelings and behaviors that we're perceiving around us. And this is particularly true, this is particularly powerful for leaders. So the most powerful person in the room is going to get the most attention. And we're going to look at that leader, and we, we might just be sitting at our desk and not even hearing what he or she is saying, but we're going to be, part of our attention is going to be on that person. Now, this, is, this makes sense because we're herd animals, right? and as herd animals, we need to pay attention to what's going on in the pack. We need to pay attention to the signals of the group. So we're going to be picking up these signals, and it's going to start shifting what's going on in our brain, and our own feelings are going to change. Those feelings are going to impact performance. So we know, for example, that, that teams that are um, in a more positive mood, they're more creative, they're faster, they solve problems more quickly, they waste less energy. So if we, uh, if we can pay attention to that emotional contagion and the effect mm-hmm. of that, uh, recognizing how I feel, that's going to affect others. That's a powerful lesson. Well, Joshua, this is great. We're, we're going to have to take a, a, a break. Why don't you give us your website? Because we're going to try to get you back uh, on another show to, to follow up on it because this is fascinating information. So what's the website and people can learn more about some of your research and, and services? Uh, thanks, really. We have two sites. Our general site is sixseconds.org. And it's the numeral six and then S-E-C-O-N-D-S dot O-R-G. Our site for our corporate audience is sixseconds.com. So you can go to either one of those and find information about uh, EQ and uh, how it can help you be a better leader. Well, uh, thank you very much, Joshua. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and we'll come back and talking more about emotional self-awareness. Thanks for the opportunity, Rally. You're welcome. Line in business. Voice America business. Most 
leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. Hi. My name is Joanne, and I have mannequinism. Well, I did have it, but I'm not a mannequin anymore. Doctors said over 75% of my body turned into plastic. They said it's because I wasn't active in my community, because I didn't vote or volunteer or I don't know. All I wanted to do was cry, but I couldn't because I had plastic eyes. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Hi, this is Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. Um, giving you hands-on tools to raise your emotional intelligence. So we just heard from Joshua Friedman uh, about uh, a start on what is emotions. Emotions are chemically encoded data. <clears throat> I love how he said that, that that's information and that emotions drive change and people, uh, emotions drive people and people drive performance. So let's look at first uh, some of the basic uh, concepts around emotional intelligence, something that we've talked about. Um, why are we talking about this? To be a star performer, um, be someone in the top 10%, a lot of the research is showing it, it's emotional intelligence. Understanding yourself, managing yourself, understanding others, and managing others. Joshua Friedman talked about emotions are contagious. And so think about the example he gave with the boss. Um, leaders are the emotional thermostat. They set the temperature for the emotions uh, in the team. Are people focused? Are they clear? Are they motivated? Are they confused? Are they upset? Are they frustrated? Many of that's going to be modeled after the leader. People in the top 10% are going to perform um, better than people between the 89th and 11th percent. Matter of fact, they're going to bring in twice as much revenue. And then we've talked about in the past shows the idea if you can get a few things, some of these micro-initiatives that you can do Differently, some may take five seconds, some may take um, 
30 seconds or hours, but their micro-initiatives can cause a macro-impact in your performance. And so looking at emotional self-awareness, we've already gone through a couple different tools that are available on leadersplaybook.com. There's a tool that goes with each show. We've looked at the EI star profile. Where are you on emotional intelligence? Can you assess yourself on the EI star profile? On the other side, there's the derailleur detector. That's also available. Can you assess yourself on some of these key derailers? Basically what people want to do is focus on their strengths, focus on the key areas that they could do more of unless you have one of these derailers. Sometimes they're called fatal flaws. Um, both of those are available for you to take a look at. And then the last show, we talked with uh, Dr. Marco Iacoboni, who spoke more about the mirror neurons. And um, there, there was a tool about empathy. You know, how can you better listen to folks to get your mirror neurons in tune and to feed back to them that you really do understand them? And so today, we're talking about emotional self-awareness. So what is it? Joshua talked about this. It's knowing yourself. It's knowing your feelings, your values, your motivations. What are your triggers? And what are your the patterns that you need to know about? Basically, it's having insight into who you are. It's the attunement to this constant stream of emotions. So like Joshua said, you know, this this uh, chemically encoded data is constantly flowing through who we are as humans. How aware are you of that? And if we look at the difference between an average performer and a star performer, specifically around emotional self-awareness, so think about this for yourself as I go through this. Are you average? You're, you are aware of your feelings, and you know why your feelings occur. You regularly know this. 80% of the time, you can say, I'm aware of my feelings, and I know why they occur. So that's the average performer. The star performer is also aware of their feelings. They also know why they occur. But in addition, they understand the implications of their emotions. So they know about that chemical uh, encoded data. And what's the implications? Implications on them, implications on the team. I'll give you a uh, you know example of an executive I was working with, first of a star, and then someone who is average, especially around emotional self-awareness. This being one of the key competencies, and I've done a lot of work with executives where they they get 360-degree feedback. This one is the hardest for people to notice. Um, and before the emotional competence inventory had updated some of their survey, uh, I hadn't seen anybody who has, was a star in emotional self-awareness. Now they uh, have changed a bit of how that's rated and it's more of a weighted score. So I am seeing a lot more people who are stars, meaning that they understand the implications of their emotions. Um, but unless you have this in a conversation, people don't see this. So an executive I was uh, dealing with was facilitating a meeting. And like many of you know, the meeting, the agenda was not progressing as he would like. And he stated, I'm getting frustrated on how long this is taking. As he looked at the agenda, how much uh, little time was left. So he was able to state his emotions in the meeting. I'm getting frustrated 
how long this was taking. But then he also added, it may be because I went out last night with some board members and I had some uh, wine, so I'm a little bit uh, more tired right now. But I want to stay focused and I want us to prioritize which items are most important to make sure we get the most important parts of this agenda finished. So he was aware of his feelings. He saw how it connected in regards to some of the uh, his behavior in the moment. He realizes his emotions were contagious. And then he said, okay, here's what I need to do to self-correct. So he was aware of his emotions and was able to self-correct. Let me give you an example of an average performer regarding self-awareness. This was another executive that I dealt with in coaching. And any time when emotions started coming up, and for him it was maybe frustration, concerns either about people or situations, um, he quickly would would say, well, I don't want to complain. I don't, I don't want to just whine. So for this person, when the awareness came up about his feelings, in his mind, how he, how he made sense of it was, feelings equal whining, and I don't want to be a whiner. And in his past, I had known he had lost one of his parents as a child, and he basically had that um, learning of a stiff upper lip and learned not to feel. So the consequences, when feelings would come up, he would, he would think he's whining, he'd think he's complaining, he would kind of stuff them, and what would happen in his organization, he would get upset about things and storm around, put people on the spot, not realizing it. It wasn't his intention. None of us, this is our intention when, when emotions take over. Um, but people started to avoid him. He was unpredictable, and it was affecting his leadership credibility. So knowing what your emotions are is very critical. Awareness, like Joshua Friedman said, is the first step. Are you aware of what's going on for you moment to moment? In some of the early psychology literature, they basically have said awareness equals responsibility. And if you look at responsibility, it really means ability to respond. So thus, if you're not aware of what's going on, you are not going to be able to respond. You're not going to have the ability to respond differently. Anais Nin has said, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. So are you able to see the we or the you in what's going on? Um, being aware of your, your projections, being aware of seeing your boss as a parent, being aware of maybe seeing your colleague as an irritating sibling. These emotions are all going to happen, um, and it's being aware of that. So let me go through some of the research. And, and again, when people hear this, um, the research for me has always been very important about emotional intelligence. So American Express financial advisors that were given training in, in emotional intelligence, and American Express did a lot of research. And they found that being aware of their emotions is a competency that's central to the excellent performance on the job. Now, this particular group um, was dealing with insurance and dealing with sensitive issues, mortality. And what they found is just talking about mortality with one of their clients brought up uneasiness, brought up distress, or brought up distrust. It probably brought up uneasiness in the financial consultant who was talking about that. But the people who knew themselves the most and were able to notice, oh, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. How do I talk about this in a way 
so that the person I'm dealing with can really hear it. And once they were trained in emotional intelligence, they found the ones who were more aware had more empathy for their clients, and they were better able to build long-term trusting relationships. And these trusting relationships translated into higher sales per customer. So they were able to track that, and we talked about the mirror neuron. So being able to pick up that that this is uneasy for someone else, that they may feel uneasy, but then being able to manage their emotions had an effect on the person that they were talking to. Um, Emotions are contagious. So if they were able to talk about uncomfortable situations, many times I talk with executives, sometimes it's these small sentences I know this is uncomfortable. I know you may not want to be thinking about this right now. Uh, none of us really like to think about death. Um, this is a hard thing to talk about. Those are micro-initiatives. In this situation, for the financial advisors who could speak about that and put the other person at ease, the other person felt that empathy, and it's connected to better relationships, connected to them um, building more more bonds and being connected. So what's the typical way that we deal with emotions? I mentioned this earlier. Feelings are not biodegradable. So think about what we know about uh, things that are biodegradable. Well, feelings aren't. And when I was a psychologist in private practice, um, this happened often, but I would have a client talking about an injustice that happened to them 20 years ago. And the emotions that they were experiencing at that moment was like it happened yesterday. So the emotions of 20 years ago did not dissipate, did not biodegrade, did not die. It was with them. And so we're going to talk about, um, you know, what do you do when these feelings come up? That from Alcoholics Anonymous, who has some great cliches, they talk about when you bury a feeling, you bury their lie. So the idea that stuffing your feelings somehow that if I don't deal with that, this don't feel message, many males get this don't feel message, be tough, don't feel anything, um, that somehow it will biodegrade. And we know about biodegradable things. Paper uh, containers biodegrade, but it takes about two weeks to six months. Orange peels will biodegrade. We've seen people you know, throw them out uh, on the road. Well, yeah, but they're going to take about two years. A paper container with plastic coating is going to biodegrade in about five years. A tin can, 50 years. An aluminum, 80 years to 100 years. So just to think about that concept without thinking about it, many times we think if we ignore these feelings that they're going to biodegrade, uh, dissolve. And so we have these feelings HID. And I'm going to use this acronym, you know, the HID, H-I-D, but instead of having your feelings hid, what do you need to do with them instead? So let's turn around that HID to IHD. Um, instead of having your feelings hid, what you really want to be able to do is turn them around and, ha- and use the acronym IHD, which stands for Identify, Honor, and Deliver. And... When we come back from the break, I'll go more into exactly what uh, that entails. So 
Now you know your feelings aren't biodegradable, but what do you do with them when you are having them? And we'll talk more about that as soon as we come back from the break. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Before every word there is a thought Before every action there is a thought If everything starts with a leader what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently I'm thinking the world will change Evolve the leader Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. But with free family learning programs, you can get the education you need. Call 1-877-FAMLIT-1 for information on free learning programs. 1-877-FAMLIT-1. Check it out, check it out. We have GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Hi, this is Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance, giving you hands-on tools to raise your emotional intelligence. Today we're talking about uh, emotional self-awareness. We've already said that emotions are chemically encoded data in your brain. Emotions drive people. People drive performance. And before the break, we were talking about feelings are not biodegradable. If you just let them sit there, they're not going to dissipate. One of the rules that Joshua Friedman was saying, if you don't do something with it, they will intensify. So what do you do with your feelings? We talked about the normal thing is to have them hid, HID. What I'm encouraging and is a micro-initiative is IHD. Let's turn that um, acronym around. I. Identify, H, honor, D, deliver. So let's start with identify. What are you to do with feelings? Well, what are your feelings? Um, you need to identify and ask yourself, and sometimes you need to wait after you ask yourself, what am I feeling? What is going on for me? This is also where a friend or a coach can help you sort through. We talked about that level three listening, 
where if someone can listen to you and identify your, the content and the emotions, that may help you if you're having problems. But you really want to be able to um, know are there some surface feelings, you know, that you're having. Um, many times mad, glad, sad, and bad is the surface level. I'm mad, I'm glad, I feel bad, or I'm sad. Well, those are surface level feelings. And underneath those are, you know, other feelings that are important to give voice to. And, you know, certain kind of feelings, you know, such as um, rejection, betrayal, fear, embarrassment, helplessness, sadness. Sometimes that's what's underneath some of the surface feelings. And if you can get better at identifying some of those for yourself or someone can help you, that helps. Many times, identifying feelings, we feel it in the body. There's psychosomatic signs. You're, you're sweaty. You have migraines. There's nervous stomach. Um, those are important to know because it's a feeling that's probably driving that. Are you anxious? Is there something that you're going to have to perform um, and you may be feeling that kind of queasiness? Anytime you go to a doctor and if, if there's an emotional thing going on, what do they ask you? Tell me about your appetite and how are you sleeping? So emotions affect appetite. Sometimes you eat more, sometimes you eat less, and emotions affect how you sleep at night. So those are some key ways. I was uh, dealing with an executive who is very high-strung, very wound up, um, You know, probably has a, a half a dozen lattes during the day, and was getting these pains uh, and just thought that, you know, he, he was having some indigestion. It really was he um, was having uh, some medical problems and he didn't realize it and really went into the hospital at the very last moment and uh, fortunately got in there because uh, they said if he waited waited another half hour, he could have died. This is a person who had all these medical things going on or psychosomatic, he thought, physical, psychosomatic things, but really there are emotions that he was not aware of. You want to be aware of your defenses. In one way, the window into how someone's feeling is their metaphors. What are some of the key things? I've worked with an executive who, uh, when someone gave him feedback, would say, oh, that's like a knife to my heart. Well, it was painful uh, for him to hear feedback. What do you think happened as people went to this executive, and it, actually this was the president of a company, and and, they, and he said, this is a knife to my heart. How many people would want to give a knife to their heart of their leader? Well, he started not getting as much information. But that was a metaphor into how painful the feeling was for him. So let's identify the feelings. Honor the feelings. Your feelings are not right or wrong, but it's just normal. A big part of therapy, friendship, parenting, leading, coaching, is letting people accept that that's normal. We all have had friends who, when we feel something, have said, oh, you shouldn't feel that. Oh, I don't know why you're worrying about that. What do they do? They place their feelings, their judgment on us. We don't feel heard. We don't feel listened to. So you really want to let people have their feelings. You don't want to, you don't want to add values to that. This is where you use that level three. Sounds like this situation was very, very frustrating for you and you're not sure what to do now. So you want to, for yourself, you want to honor your feelings. Um, you don't need to explain them to people. You don't necessarily have to find out what they mean. And uh, you don't have to just endure them. But often, letting someone know what's going on, whether this is a colleague at work 
for your boss, if you are the boss. And Joshua Friedman told us about some of the rules that they will endure. So the old rule is hold them in, hold others off, hold on. Hold them in, hold others off, hold on. You can just picture someone grasping the chair, kind of hanging on, hanging on. Hold them in, hold others off, hold on. Well, what do you need to do instead? The, the new paradigm for getting these emotions out will be to let it out, let others in. This is where you're um, talking with someone. This could be your colleague, could be your leader, your boss, and then let it go. Let it out, let others in so you can feel that sense of empathy, let the mirror neurons start working, and let go. So we talked about honor your feelings. This last one I was just talking about was delivering your feelings. So let it out, let others in, let go. You're either going to express them to yourself. Many times journaling is very, very helpful. You may want to write them down. Um, talking to a colleague, you know, really being able to build some of those relationships are, are important in delivering that. I think uh, many of us are afraid of these feelings, and sometimes we see them almost like in your car if you had a red light. That was flashing, danger, 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 without realizing it, that may be the normal response to some emotions we're having, that they're dangerous, that we shouldn't feel them. If we feel them, it would go on forever. Instead, how do you change that red light to a yellow light? And a yellow light basically is caution, but proceed. How do you normalize that? Proceed and where you need to go with the yellow light. So take a deep breath, talk to somebody important. Um, so instead of having your feelings hid, HID, what you want to do instead is identify, honor, deliver. IHD, identify, honor, deliver. That will help let the feelings out, let others in, and it'll help you really let go. One of the things uh, that's very close to the emotional self-awareness is accurate self-assessment. As a matter of fact, in some of the newer uh, emotional competence inventory surveys, these two are now, which were separate, emotional self-awareness and accurate self-assessment, are now accessing some of the same thing. So let me tell you about um, the average performer and the star in accurate self-assessment. So the average performer is aware of their own strengths and limits, and they're open to feedback. That's the average performer. Again, how often? 80% of the time. The star performer not only is aware of their strengths and limits and open to feedback, but they leverage their self-awareness. So knowing things about yourself, how do you leverage that? And then they turn those in to a development plan. It's been found that knowing strengths and weaknesses is a competency found in every star performer. This is even in places uh, with computer scientists, auditors, companies like 3M, AT&T. Basically, stars know themselves. They're able to leverage their self-awareness. The example I gave of the executive who knew he was feeling frustrated and uh, could have been from going out with board members but said, okay, here's what we need to do now. Let's prioritize our agenda Let's see what we need to do. And so he leveraged his self-awareness. He, without that, if he was an average performer, 
He could have just been irritated. He could have been irritating at, irritated at the rest of his leadership team for going off on tangents. But he was aware of it and able to leverage that. And we know being aware of what's going on for you, um, to me this is fascinating. It just happens in a split second and again goes back to the brain science and neuroscience. In a quarter second, we decide if we can trust another person or not. Quarter second, that self-awareness. Are you aware of what's going on in that quarter second, you know, how we quickly sized up somebody? Many times when I work with uh, people, and this is more on the, on the sales side, although we're all in sales in one way or another, is one of the rules, and it's called the two-by-four rule. And again, it goes to your self-awareness. Two-by-four, the first two seconds of any interaction are so powerful that it takes four minutes to alter that um, impression of you, either positive or negative. So let me say that again. It's called the two-by-four rule. Your first two seconds are so powerful, that self-awareness that the person's having of you, is that it takes four minutes to alter that impression 50%, either positive or negative. So if, if you were positive, great, and you want to make it more positive, it's going to take another four minutes. If it's negative, it's going to take four minutes to only change that 50% of the time. So how aware of you are you of your strengths and weaknesses? Um, going back to www.leadersplaybook.com, you can look at the EI Star profile, and you can look at the uh, derailleur detector, which will really help in regards to um, your self-awareness and how accurate are you with your self-awareness. It's, it's important to kind of take some time and think about this. Confucius has said, we learn wisdom by three methods, reflection, imitation, and experience. We learn wisdom by three methods, reflection, imitation, and experience. Reflection is the noblest. So with this self-awareness and accurate self-assessment, are you taking time to reflect, to go back, fill out those that assessment? Ask somebody else to fill that assessment out uh, on you or for you so that you have an opportunity to come back and be able to see, you know, what are your strengths, where are you with that? When we come back from the break, we'll give you an example uh, of someone who is a star in self-assessment and uh, self-reflection, reflection, uh, USC's football coach, head football coach, Pete Carroll. And we'll be back uh, in a moment. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence? 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Hi, this is Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance, giving you hands-on tools to raise your emotional intelligence. Today, in particular, we're talking about emotional self-awareness. Emotions are chemically encoded data. Your emotions drive, drive people, and people drive performance. We heard this from Joshua Friedman earlier on our show. And then we were just talking about uh, accurate self-assessment, which is part of this emotional self-awareness, You know, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses. And we talked about Confucius talking about wisdom through reflection, imitation, and experience. Reflection, imitation, and experience. And that reflection was the noblest. So when you take some time to work on your own development, you fill out some of these self-assessments that we have at www.leadersplaybook.com, it can give you that reflection time. Look at your strengths, weaknesses. Are there any derailers that you need to uh, deal with? And then we've gone through series of micro-initiatives from um, listening at level three. We talked about what do you do with your emotions, identify, honor, and deliver. And as an example of somebody who is very good in emotional intelligence, um, Pete Carroll, the USC coach, probably arguably one of the best uh, college coaches today <clears throat> and one of the, probably the most successful in the last five years. But as a uh, young coach, he was applying things that he had learned in the classroom. He had um, learned... He had studied Abraham Maslow, some different um, people from the human potential movement. And early on, he was a defensive coach. This is at the University of Pacific. That's actually also where he went to college. He was a defensive back and won all-conference honors in 1971 and 72. 
But there was a time when he was really developing, you know, who he is, which we see today, and reflecting on his strengths and weaknesses. And as the defensive back coach, he was asking the uh, defensive backs who were having some problems, which coverages did they feel most comfortable with, which techniques did they want to practice more. And as, as is reported, the players were rejuvenated by this meeting. There was that sense of the mirror neurons being connected. He was empathic for where they were. Um, he involved them, as good leaders did. One of his coaches, though, after hearing what was done, went to Carroll early on and said, he said, wait a damn minute, boy. You don't ever ask them what they want. You tell them what they need. And at that time, Carroll was, was deflated by that. Uh, didn't last long because he quickly, you know, identified, looked at his strengths and weaknesses. He was seen as an up-and-coming coach. In the pros, he redefined his leadership style. He liked dealing with players one-on-one, sometimes cracking the whip, other times talking to them about their life. Uh, but he certainly was not your authoritarian coach of a, of a Bear Bryant or Bill Parcells. Knowing himself, self-awareness was very important. And what he said, um, that authoritarian coach can be a great way to teach, but it's not for me. I get more out of you if I connect with you. Instead of knocking you down, I'm going to build you up. So he really tries to understand his players, tries to figure out, tries to inspire them. You know, and some of the competencies we're talking about, accurate self-assessment, emotional self-awareness, along with some of the other key competencies, developing others, building bonds. Um, he also had a time of reflection. He was um, fired as a professional coach after three years of working with the New England Patriots, and he took a year off a time to reflect. And he read a book by John Wooden, UCLA's legendary coach, and Wooden had a concept of knowing exactly what you want to get done. Well, this was so inspiring for Carroll, uh, and he realized, you know, for him, knowing about his strengths and weaknesses, that energy and optimism and desire were some of his strengths, and it really related to how he wants to relate with his players. And he basically came to the standpoint of this is who I am. From accurate self-assessment, emotional self-awareness, this is who I am. So where are you in this time of reflection around emotional self-awareness, strengths and weaknesses? And I think one of the things that's helpful is take, let's take a look at some of your past successes. How often do you look at some of your past successes as a leader? There's a lot of data that's there. And I want you to think for a moment of one of your past successes that you've had. That that was a peak performance for you. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and this is to bring about kind of the code. What was it that you were successful at? So in this peak performance that you had, what was the effort you took? What was the uh, preparation that you did? And then what was some of the core beliefs that you had about yourself. Um, I can do this. Um, I know my material. You know, what was some of the core beliefs? What was the story that supports the core belief? You know, this is going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy this. Um, I really worked hard at that. So that was what was going on in your head, some beliefs in a story. And the effort we talked about, what was going on in your heart? What were you feeling after the performance? And what about in your body? What were you feeling? Was your heart racing? Were you uh, uh, elated? And what kind of support did you get from others? Um, what did you see? How, did you ask for help? Did you practice what you're going to do with others? Or, did, was there a team? 
And if you were to summarize all that, what was the pictures that summarize that last performance? Basically, this is breaking down what athletes do, is they get in a relaxed state, they picture their last performance, and I broke this down with the acronym of HOPE. What was in your head? What was in your heart? O was others. What were the pictures? And what was your effort that you took? And if you want to uh, think about that, uh, you know, as an example, I just recently did a big presentation, you know, three or four hundred people, and it was very successful. And so what I took from that uh, was uh, how did I prepare? You know, there was a lot of preparation as far as the effort went. Uh, in my head, I basically said, I, I can do this. I, I know this material. I want other people to experience this. This is great information. So that was the kind of the belief that I could do it. The story was this is great informo- information is going to help this whole organization move forward. It was a story. Uh, in my in my heart, afterwards I was uh, elated and I was uh, you know relieved obviously for this going well. In my body, um, I was very relaxed. Others, um, I had done a lot of research on the organization ahead of time. And so I kind of knew exactly what their leadership competencies were. And then if there was a picture that summarized this all, and I think that's what you want to bring into the new situation, was all the people afterwards wanting to uh, shake my hand, come up, uh, have me sign the book, um, talk about how they're going to use that. So why is this important? That was a success. I want to use these same ingredients from a self-awareness standpoint um, to move forward you know, in another uh, presentation and another peak performance. So think about that for you. Your past peak performance, what was your in your head, your belief, and your stories? What was in your heart, in your emotions? What did your body tell you? How did you use others? What was your effort? And then what's the picture? What's the metaphor that can summarize that for you? That's going to be very important because it's going to be the same ingredients most likely in your next peak performance, you're going to use some sub, subset of that to have another peak performance. If you don't know what you did, if you don't know how you achieved those results, how are you going to replicate that? So from a reflective self-awareness standpoint, this is an opportunity to think about your successes. Can you deconstruct? Can you um, produce what were your key ingredients so that you, again, can do that again. So as we wind down to the end here, I want to let you know um, one of the tools that's on the website, www.leadersplaybook.com. That will be up in about a day. And it's called the Emotional Audit. And how do you identify, uh, again, in the micro-initiative, what's going on for you in the moment? And so if you go to the website and you can download another one of these tools, to look at the emotional audit. Do an audit on what's going on for you. It's a series of five strategic questions, each one that's going to generate data around self-awareness, but it's also going to then generate direction for how do you manage that. called the emotional audit and www.leadersplaybook.com. It should be up within 24 hours. This is Leaders Playbook, Tools for Top Performance giving you hands-on tools to raise your emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence of others. Join us uh, next week. We'll be focusing on the competency of leadership 
with Kevin Eikenberry. Thank you very much. This has been Leaders Playbook. enjoyed this episode of Leaders Playbook with Dr. Relly Nadler. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Rell, or if you would like to email him directly, visit his website at www.truenorthleadership.com. And be sure to join us next Monday for another episode of Leaders Playbook. We'll see you then.